The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, it's Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me is mainly always is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Toretto. Good evening, friends. And it is evening, in fact. It's a day late evening. We usually <laughs> come out on Monday morning. We are recording Monday evening. So last night was the Super Bowl, and that's what most people are doing. I am, uh, on the other hand, moving. So all I'm doing is... Uh, packing boxes and cursing the fact that I own books. <laughs> books hurt, Elliot. Tell me about it. We were talking about that on the last uh, Caffeinated Comics when we, were talk- uh, when we were discussing digital comics. Yep. And and how if I'm telling you if my digital collection, if I added everything in my digital collection in print to what I have now. Uh, you, you bury me, bury me in my books, essentially. Just, just bury me in my comics. Well, that's that's a thing I'm learning. Packing stuff up because I had I, I told myself I switched to digital, and I. But when I started packing the omnibuses, I was I realized, oh, these are pro- these are filling up as many boxes as my monthly comics used to, but they're much much heavier. Because well, like. Each I mean, omnibus had, is like seven pounds. Yeah, but if you had all the books that were in that omnibus, like all slabbed together, it'd be kind of. I mean, does the hardcover really add that much weight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you that because uh, I have been um, – this is my greatest thing in the world, actually. I tra- As I realized I was going to move and I was organizing my collection, I started to buy the BCW hard plastic short boxes, mm-hmm. and they're – amazing they're like 25 bucks so they're a little pricey but they are solid they have the handles built in they have lids on the side that automatically close and lock it in and um there's they're not going to rip when you carry them the other thing i realized is that no human being should be forced to carry a long box (laughs) aren't we beyond this they were always goddamn heavy that is true. Yeah, I remember the last before I bought that. Well, when I bought the house with my ex and I, um, and my brother-in-law helped us move, and I had all those long boxes in our old apartment. My brother-in-law helped us move, and I swear to God, he was ready to kill me after moving, helping me move all my long boxes of comics. The furniture was nothing. I mean, yeah. it was easy. Because all my lot, I think I had the, the the majority of heavy stuff that needed to be moved in those damn boxes. Well, I'm doing the same thing because I hired movers, but I don't want them to mess with my comics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't want I don't want a mover to drop a box of Silver Age Spider Man's down the down the back steps of my apartment. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll move it. But I'm 50, and you know, when when <laughs> I was in my 20s, and I was working at Bulletproof Comics, we would do all the conventions. It's when we did the Horseman book, so we were both a publisher and a retailer. So we did every convention. I was 24, and those long boxes hurt. Just kidding. Yeah. And now I'm double that. And I like I'm gushing sweat and 38 degrees. This is how people die. This is <laughs> exactly. It, it would make so much sense if they were like, hey. Captain Comics doesn't come out any anymore. What happened? Was, well, you know, John was moving all his long boxes. He had a heart attack and died. Well, what was he, 50? Okay. Like, nobody's <laughs> even sad when that happens. Because I was going to say, every, everybody else in winter is getting a heart attack shoveling snow. You're getting, you're having a heart attack moving long boxes. Yeah, like an asshole, I'm moving out of an apartment building that shovels the snow for me. <laughs> when it... When it, this hasn't been a bad snow winter in Chicago, but when it snowed, I'm like, oh, that looks that looks sad. Mm-hmm. And then I then I watch guys that oh that have uh, professional snowblowers come and do it. Now I'm renting a house where I'm like, oh, I'll shovel the snow. So I don't own the house. Can I tell you something? Yeah. 
Invest the hundred fifty bucks or whatever in a snowblower. Trust That's me. That's what I'm doing. Uh, the house has a two car garage, so the snowblower can have a very nice home. Yeah, I bought one, and I to this day I don't regret it. Yeah, so I've been. It's been days of moving that. The figures figures weren't at, as bad as I thought they were going to be. They are. Um, I was. I bought a lot of those. You know those Target clear, uh, three drawer cabinets. Mm-hmm. Get them for like ten bucks. I had a lot of the figures in that, and actually the cabinets are heavier than the figures because I started moving just the fabric cubes, like those IKEA cubes, and that was easy. Mm-hmm. But the the omnibuses, I'm not done. I, I like I I think I moved twenty long boxes full of omnibuses, and they're bigger, and they have hard covers, and they are uh, my fifteen year old son who works out doesn't want to move them anymore. <laughs> the like the kid just eats sugar and, and and walks two miles to school because he doesn't want to ask where the bus is and he won't does not want to move on to this. No, you know, I, I, I gotta tell you, I see his point of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, Stephen Brown helped me move and Stephen, I haven't seen Stephen in a while. We've only really been on uh, pod, the podcast together. But, you know, he's graduated from the fire academy. He's th- he's 35. You know, um, he's in great shape now. He's in amazing shape. And uh, he helped. Uh, we went to my girlfriend Jill's because she's moving in with us. We mo- we were moving this big dresser that she couldn't get out of the house. And, you know, we got a dolly and the three of us moved it out. And it wasn't that bad. And we started talking about the boxes. And, <laughs> and Steven's like, I can't buy any more omnibuses. It's <laughs> like, he's like he's, I'm at capacity. And I'm at capacity, too. But literally, as I'm moving these way too many omnibuses, every single one of them, I'm like, yeah, I know I have this. There's none of them that I want to sell. Yeah. Well, if you want to part with those Indiana Jones omnibuses, I'll take them off your hands. Well, those are the little dark horse ones. They didn't hurt anybody. I did find – oh, I put it over there. I was just cleaning out my son's room. I found the animated style Indiana Jones adventures that Dark Horse did. Do you have the second one? Yeah. Ah, that one I've been looking for. Yeah, there. Um, yeah, there's a sec. I, uh, I'm holding this up on an audio podcast, but these came out. These both came out around Crystal Skull, and they were really, really fun. And just like everything else, Indiana Jones, as we've been talking, um, comes out in a burst, goes away. Yeah, you that know, second one. That second one is really hard to find. The first one you can is out there. Yeah. The second one, I think Mark Evanier wrote that one. The second one. <clears throat> Curse uh, of the Invisible Ruby, it is called. And it was Dark Horse. Yep, Mark Evanier. And Ethan Beavers did the art. And it's very Bruce Timmish. Yeah. So, um, and again, uh, yeah, the first one was written by Phil Galat, but also drawn by Ethan Beavers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, tells me why did they never do an animated series of this? Like, what? why does, why does Indiana Jones not have longevity? Everybody loves it. There was a Super Bowl commercial, which we'll talk about. People are all excited. Disney spent $300 million on the Dial of Destiny. And they expect to make much more than that. And yet, there's never a constant Indiana Jones. Today, Hasbro put out the the Marvel Legends Star Wars Black Style full wave of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which uh, I can't order because my bank doesn't know where I live. (laughs) So, I have no billing address at the moment. Yikes! That um, I know most a lot of folks are going to want it because of the build an arc. Um, well, feature. I do. My um, some folks on the indie fan boards, cosplay collecting boards, have already got the full sets. Yeah, I don't they're, know how that happened. I've seen apparently some they, they're out on eBay. Uh, there's some out on eBay now, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay. Uh, 45 bucks per figure just oh, so God. I can have them a little earlier. You know, now 25 retail is already pushing it. Yeah. And then, you know, the, so you add, it's like 35 on eBay plus you add the shipping that they're going to charge you. No, that's fine. I can wait. I can wait no, till April. No, they, uh, Hasbro Pulse says they all come out April 10th. Um, I have the Pulse Premium, so that's free shipping. It's free shipping and I think like uh, advanced orders for certain things. The Indiana Jones was sold out. He's back up. So, and um, the Hasbro team, who is the Star Wars team, um, has said that he, it is selling very, very well. 
So uh, beyond expectations. But again, I expect six months and then out. Well, right now, yeah. I mean, right now there is a lot of renewed interest, as you would expect. Um, I'm, I've been dealing with another um, vendor that's creating some, uh, well, they're creating some some top secret, you know, collectible items based on Indiana Jones. Uh, and uh, it's crazy. They're saying it's crazy for them right now that wow. the, all the stuff that's going on with it. <clears throat> also, Harrison Ford let slip in an interview with, uh, I want to say it was a Today Show last week. Uh, you know, the, the, of course, the interviewer asked him, you know, is this, 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 is, this, is this it for Indiana Jones? He said, well, he goes, I understand there, there are some, there's a television um, something in development with television. He goes, but I'm not involved with that. So that could be animation. Could be animation. Could be, yeah. yeah could be a television series. Could be, uh, uh, you know, again, they could, well, Kathleen Kennedy has already said they're not going to recast Indiana Jones. So. Yeah. Well, there was those rumors about Bradley Cooper and Chris Pratt and everybody got very angry. Um, and I agree. And Harrison Ford's living his best life right now. Cause not oh. only not, are, are you watching shrinking? Yes. It's so good. He's, I'm telling you, he's funny. He's a funny oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Well, he always was, but he plays, you know, sarcasm and dry. And this is the first time they put him in a comedy where they wrote it for him. And in fact, they said, like, they only offered it to Harrison Ford so they could tell people they offered it to Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they did mm -hmm. not think he was going to take it. Yeah, that's, but, uh, you're, uh, you're, uh, I'm sure many folks have already uh, seen the interview with Brett Goldstein where he talks about, on Colbert, pitch, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Pitch, pitch Harrison Ford on on the series. You know, like, yes. can you do it? And it's like, uh, wow, can you imagine being the first, the person who's got to go in and secure Harrison Ford for your? Yeah, show? and Brett Goldstein's a little younger than us, so it's like he's still. I, I would say maybe tail end of Gen X. So, you know, for Gen Xers, Harrison Ford is God. Well, he, even he he was starstruck too. I mean, yeah. he said it himself. I, I, I go to Harrison Ford's, I can't do a Brick Goldstein because he still, he talks like Roy Kent, but, uh, yeah, but just goes, not as Wolverine. Not as Wolverine. He goes to Harrison Ford's apartment in London, you know, while he's in town filming, you know, Dial of Destiny. And uh, he goes, Han Solo enters the door. So, you know, he's, you can tell he's yeah. already in, in awe of what he's done and it has the whole conversation. It, but it's again, it, Harrison Ford, and not, not only is he is he really good in shrinking, but in that um, pre, uh, Yellowstone prequel, uh, 1923, I'll tell you, Taylor Sheridan wrote it for him. And it is, I just saw the last episode, the, the newest episode that um, aired on Paramount Plus. Wow. I mean, you know, they, they were saying, oh, another thing that Harrison Ford is going to phone it in on. Uh, no, he's... I, I not, feel like those days are done. I, I have not seen 1923 because I've never seen Yellowstone. And I'm like, well, can, well, I'll ask you, can I watch this without ever yes. seeing it? Okay. Yes, absolutely. You do not have, you do not have, mind you, if you've seen Yellowstone, if you've watched like the original series, you'll, you'll have an appreciation for it because now there are things that are happening in 1923 where you're like, oh, okay. That's where that came from. Oh, that's kind of Yeah. Cool. So it does function as a prequel, but it's a standalone. It stands alone. You don't need to know about anything that's happened later. If anything, by knowing what happens in Yellowstone, it kind of takes a little of the tension away because you're like, oh, well, we know that the Duttons survive. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's but, yeah. always the problem with prequels. Was, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, that was the problem with Star Wars prequels. It's like, okay, I know who's going to live and who's going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I did not think Samuel Jackson was making it out of there because why? Have, it's like the end of Rogue One. Like uh, my uh, my son Ben hated Rogue One. He's like, it was such a downer. Everybody died. I'm like, of course everybody died because they were all amazing. Like, if Cassian Andor had lived in the Battle of Hoth, that it probably wouldn't have gotten past the shields. No. And then, uh, but there, yeah, but Harrison Ford is really good in this show, and you can tell that um, the scripts are solid. Mm -hmm. He's put it down to re and, and he's playing to age too. That's the other thing. He's he's not playing like 
Uh, he's not playing like he's 80 trying to be 60. He's, yeah. you know, he's 80 playing an 80 year old man. And, and he's and doing that with shrinking. And it looks like yeah. Dial of Destiny is the same thing uh, other than when he's de-aged, which from this Super Bowl ad seems like a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Well, that whole bit is, um, again, the de-aging thing is the from the opening sequence, you know. Yeah, but how long is that opening sequence? I don't know. Probably, you know, how, how long are they? Generally, what, 15 minutes? Something yeah, like that? yeah, 12. Yeah. Um, and, and not to nitpick, but Her- uh, Indy is 70 years old in Dial of Destiny. He's yeah, not so he's 80. younger than Harrison Ford is. He's 10 years younger, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's things that are going to happen like no way a an 80-year-old man can do that. But let's suspend disbelief right now and think that maybe a 70-year-old man could do that. Maybe. It's almost the opposite of Patrick Stewart. Um, and we'll talk about Picard season three next week when it happens. But I'm very excited for that. But uh, Patrick Stewart's also 80, but he's playing Picard as 90. So mm-hmm. he's like way slower than Harrison Ford is right now. And it, and it was one of those where I, I was like, oh, no, Patrick Stewart doesn't look so good. And then I realized... No, he's playing it much older because then you see him in interviews. Yeah, you see him in yeah, you see him in person, like on the red carpet. You're like, heck, he looks younger. He looks yeah. younger there than he does on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and both uh both Picard and Dial of Destiny, I feel like, did not show us enough footage to really get into what's gonna happen, but maybe because I'm pre-sold just every single new frame from both of them, I was like, oh, ah, well, I became Jeff Goldblum. And then and then he's got brown hair. Oh, he's got white hair. Ah, and Picard. Oh, there's Riker, and oh, Worf has a white beard, and oh, ooh, and and Beverly. Oh, Beverly is a doctor, and Joe. Ooh. Well, it's funny because remember how you kept thinking this is the next generation reunion. I was going, nah, they're just they're all there, but I'm not. I don't think they're going to call it the next generation reunion. Uh, now, it's been said that this is the next-gen movie that they wish they could have done. That they yeah, did. this is the finale. And, and um, the showrunner uh, said that, you know, you basically named the elephant in the room. It's like, yeah, Nemesis was disappointing, and it wasn't supposed to be the end, but it was the end, and let's actually make an ending. Mm-hmm. And they said they, they gave Patrick Stewart a three-year or five-year plan for Picard. He said he picked the three-year, and they're like, well, then if the third year's it, because, you know, not only is it it for this next-gen cast, but but Patrick Drew doesn't want to do, do anymore. So this is like all of those characters most likely saying goodbye. And when you're Patrick Stewart and you get a producer's credit on, on the series, you don't need to do more than that. Because at that point, the moment that baby goes into syndication or they keep airing it or goes on Blu-ray... You know, you're making you're making yeah. bank on it. So. First two seasons are on Blu ray now, and then mm-hmm. Paramount Plus is not HBO, so they will probably actually keep it on their streaming service. Yep, yep. So, and I'm guessing maybe they did that for the next gen cast, decided to give them a little bit of a maybe a lot of them have producer credits too. So that way, they yeah, can... I'm sure they do. And you know, they're all doing well. And obviously, uh, people like Brent Spiner's been in every season and uh, as different characters, and Jonathan Frakes is directing every one of these new shows. You know, he's doing Strange New Worlds, he's doing Discovery, yeah. he's done Picard. So he's mostly yeah. directing them. So he's always around. And he's done voices. He was in Picard Season 1, and he's also done uh, Riker on Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. So they're all, you know, they're all around. They're all vital. But it's like, it, it's nice to, like, I'm trusting this season. Yeah. I'm waiting for Brent Spiner to return to Night Court. Uh, on the night court page, and I'm waiting like, for Richard Brent's- Mall to return on Bright Court. Well, really Marshall, gonna- Marshall Warfield's like doing zanies, <laughs> like I'm sure she would like to return to Night Court. Well, Richard Mall's character, Bull, uh, with the series finale of Night Court, Richard Mall's character was uh, taken away by aliens, so they'd have to explain that. Yeah, I've heard that. I that, that could be one joke. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then of course, yeah, the whole thing with Marshall Warfield, though, I, I, I get that. Um, but no, we'll see. The, 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 uh, but not to get too off track, but I, I have been enjoying that too. I have been enjoying the. the I, I'm struggling with it. I, I've been watching it, but it's like I've never seen a reboot of an '80s show that tries so hard to be an '80s show. Like, yeah. like it's you mean a like the, like Fuller House. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> but I didn't watch that because I didn't watch Full House. But it's like it's three camera sitcom. It's those kind of jokes. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's not as sleazy as the old show used to be. And there's, and you know, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of jokes I can't get away with because it's finally streaming. It was the original show wasn't streaming on anything, but now you can find it on Amazon Prime. And boy, oh boy, oh yeah, <laughs> that I wa- I got to about season three because I wanted to see Marky Pole show up, and they did a whole episode where one of Dan Fielding's friends was trans, and ah, uh, every joke was just about this guy being a woman and it's Mm -hmm. like oh man we are so beyond this and then the next episode dan got a new boss that was a little person and oh every joke was about how small he was and i was just Mm -hmm. like and both of those episodes ended with harry yelling at dan to be you know to be more responsive and somebody cried but then i'm like i i i think time's left night court behind mother the new version i mean don't get me wrong it uh, I, that's why I sit there and I go, there's so many people who look at Night Court who have all these memories of the show. Yeah. And they kind of like elevate it. I'm like, guys, I'm like, I've done, I did that in preparation of the new Night Court series. I went back and I started watching the old series because I wanted to be sure I was fair to the new version. And then um, uh, I was like, okay, oh yeah, that's right. I remember this. I remember it because I had seen them all. So I go, oh, I remember that episode. I remember that. I remember that. I remember when Michael J. Fox appeared. Yeah, very early. It's really early. It's like season one, but I think I think that was a favor because when I did the math, Family Ties was already on. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of um, you NBC really did it in the '90s, but there was a lot of cross pollination. Uh, you know, Harry Anderson did a bunch of episodes of Cheers before Nightcart started. Yeah, because he was and, the, the con man. Yeah, right. Yeah, and in the um, in the 90s, you really see it because you see a lot of people do a Friends or a Seinfeld and then get their own show. Mm-hmm. So, like, people kind of build – they kind of, like, built their resume on the sitcoms. That was back then. You don't do that anymore now. Well, they don't have sitcoms anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Once they stopped giving Tina Fey shows, they stopped having sitcoms. True. Except for this Night Court. That's about yeah. it. But then, so then I, I'm watching the new one, and yeah, you're right. It's a kinder, gentler night court. <laughs> yes, it is. But it is not. It does not feel like a 2020s show. No, they're they're. You're right. They're trying to put feet in both eras. Yeah, you know, because everything, the tone, everything, even the writing, the acting. Yeah, exactly. Was <clears throat> very much like that show. Um, yeah. But you know those still those still do really well. I mean, Big Bang Theory was a huge hit, and one of the reasons was it was a three camera sitcom. And as much as they tried to push the envelope in the aughts, you know, the aughts were full of a, a lot of critically heralded shows that died. Mm-hmm. You know, we're watching. Um, my boys and I are, are watching both My Name Is Earl and Malcolm in the Middle. Those shows hold up really well, but you can kind of see that was a window that is not open anymore. Mm-hmm. you know so well, you know uh it's television <clears throat> yeah as i always think of uh bruce campbell's quote he said uh, television ages like fish <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oddly apropos that's right i don't know what it is but you make a movie with the same budget and for some reason it doesn't seem to it seems to age better yeah. even movies that didn't age that well they still age better than a television series well, it depends. These days, though, TV is so <clears throat> it's so much like a movie. I mean, again, I'll, I'll bring up Yellowstone. Uh, that that show is filmed like like a widescreen epic western. Well, we just said Picard is going to be the next generation movie. Yeah, so that that'll be different. Um, yeah, but you you look at something like let's say Shrinking, uh, which uh, <clears throat> is a uh, much more suited for the smaller screen yeah and it's very much it's very much a situation comedy because i re- yeah. um i realize as, as much as there's continuing story arcs and then i i realize i have been a covert jason siegel fan for about 20 years because just this show i'm realizing man i always like jason siegel and yeah, now he, i really he, really like him yeah i mean don't get me wrong he i like him but he plays essentially the same character you know well he knows Every, his brand but you could say the same thing about harrison ford yeah but still well again with the exception of shrinking though where he's really going off although <clears throat> but he's still the talking, grumpy guy the grumpy guy uh uh jason siegel's most, always the big sensitive guy yes so but the i love the bit where um for folks who haven't watched it you know harrison ford plays uh 
Jason Siegel's boss, who uh, runs a practice, they're all therapists, uh, and he's suffering from Parkinson's. So he's in the very early stages of Parkinson's. And every once in a while, and that's the thing I really liked about the performance, that there's so much subtlety in what Harrison Ford's doing with, with, uh, mm-hmm. with the character. <clears throat> like when we see him for the first time, he's like walking into the uh, into the break room with all the other therapists and he reaches to get a, a mug from a cabinet and his hand trembles slightly as he's opening the cabinet. You're like, oh, whoa, okay. Um, but uh, he, he talks about in a later episode about how he handles the mourning, like the dealing with the accepting that this is what's happening to him and how does he mourn and he gives... He gives Jason Siegel and Jason Siegel's daughter a piece of advice, like um, put on a really sad song mm-hmm. and then just just cry for 15 minutes. Just feel just really feel as bad as you can for 15 minutes. Then they show a scene of Harrison Ford actually doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets a and then his phone goes off and it's been 15 minutes. It's like, over. Then he's done. But he goes, he goes, so what do you do afterwards? He goes, I get out with it. Like a fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Indiana Jones saying that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think, but I think I will always appreciate Jason Siegel because he, he gave us the best Muppets we've had. I I think since Jim Henson passed. His his Muppet movie is fantastic. And the fact that they were not able to carry that momentum kind of pisses me off. See, it's funny that you should say that because I remember that movie got a lot of criticism because uh, they were saying that that's, it wasn't the and a true Muppet movie, a true... And, and now, mind you, I give you... Uh, I give you more props because I know you are like the Muppet devil. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Muppets come close to Indiana Jones for me. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's one of those things where I look back and I was like, oh yeah, I never got tired of this. I just never, ever got tired of this. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought his Muppet movie, the 2011 movie, was it was a love letter to Gen X, and I think that's what bothered people. And like I said, I've always been a Muppet guy, so I've never let them go. So I think some people had a problem with the premise because the premise was that the Muppets were kind of washed up and over and forgotten. And it, and even in the theater, I was like, wait, they had a Christmas special last year. It's <laughs> like they're not gone, but it's a fa- it's the fact that they weren't in the zeitgeist. Right, and I really, I really appreciated that. But the thing, the thing was with that movie, he put them right back, and that movie was a big hit. And I think, criticism aside, it was well received because they made, they immediately made the sequel, but then the sequel, the sequel wasn't strong. Well. Yeah. No, and it was like sequels got moments. Tina Fey's good. Um, you still have Britt McKenzie from Flight of the Conquerors writing all the songs, but it's, it's not as great. And then. I mean, the, the ABC show where it tried to be The Office was just really misguided. I and liked it. It, it. it found its footing. Like they switched showrunners at the very end, and they hired a showrunner who was like, "Who was like, this is what the Muppets is supposed to be," and it started to be to feel right, and it was canceled at that point. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed um, the Muppets Now, which was the it was just a, a sketch show on Disney Plus. Yeah, only six fun. episodes. Really funny, and yeah. now they're doing an Electric Mayhem series, and I'm, yeah. and it's like, you know, it, it's like Star Trek or Indiana Jones. We've been talking about. I'm like, I'm there for it. <laughs> um, but uh, but speaking of being there for it, um, I don't know. It's funny because I kind of want to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy three full trailer because I thought it was phenomenal. And it blew me away, but nobody's talking about it because everybody is talking about the Flash trailer. <laughs> Talk about, oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I can't. It's. I wish there were just certain things in my nerd life that weren't divisive. <clears throat> right now, the two most divided, the the two most divisive things in nerd culture are uh, the Flash trailer and Harry Potter Legacy or Hogwarts Legacy. Oh yeah, well that's the J.K. Rowling thing, which I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna fucking go near that. That's like stepping on a jellyfish. Fuck you for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but yeah, there it's incredibly divisive. It's See, that's funny because everything I've seen from the Flash trailer is people going, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is amazing! This is amazing!" And I'm like, "Am I alone in thinking that trailer was a mess? 
Like, I don't know what the fuck the story is. There's two Ezra Millers. It, it, I was, I felt it was confusing. Uh, it seemed, it, I mean, I'm not a Snyderverse fan at all. I'm a big CC fan, but I haven't been in the last decade because of what DC has been providing. But I was like, halfway through it, I was like, okay, I've given up on figuring out what this story is. And now it just wants to be Spider-Man No Way Home, which I adored, but it just seemed, the it felt to me the way Justice League really, really wanted to be Avengers, which is why they hired Joss Whedon to remake the movie after they made the movie. And that's all I'll say about that. Because <laughs> I'm not going near that fucking jellyfish either. <laughs> uh, I it, This felt like they really, really wanted it to be Spider-Man No Way Home. And it's like, and instead of getting, instead of getting Grant Gustin to be another Flash, they got Ezra Miller twice, who's like this toxic individual <laughs> that people don't want to go near. Let's have him in the same frame. Yeah, if you were pissed about Ezra Miller during this movie, we're going to double down. We're going to be twice as much of him. Yes. Yeah, it's... it's, And then... I don't know. And then I also... Watching this trailer, I also felt they were hijacking it to be a Batman movie because they didn't trust the Flash as a character. The last time they trusted a character to stand on its own, it was Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. Well, I don't think it's that they don't trust... The Flash is a character. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think they they know right now. With Ezra Miller is your poison pill. You're gonna need something else to see, sell this movie because uh, the Flash, as he stands right now, isn't gonna do it. Um, and yeah, you're right. There, it's like uh, like um, a No Way Home scenario where they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bring back these other characters that you know we know you really really want to come yeah. back. Um, uh, there was, they leaned, I mean, when you saw that uh, teaser poster that came out with uh, the Flash and the, the Batwing, you know. Yeah, the Flash is this big. Yeah, it's a little it, tiny. Tiny, yeah. and it's a huge Batman, and it's just like, even uh, Michael Uslan posted today, Michael Uslan, who's produced every movie since the Tim Burton, uh, bought the rights to Batman in the 70s, like part of money, you know, as a college student, to get the rights to Batman. Smartest kid nerd ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he posted, I can't wait for the new Batman movie. I mean, Flash movie. No, uh-huh. all right. So that's what they're leaning into right now. Yeah. They're, they're just they, Warner Brothers is like, okay. And, and remember, after the cancellation of the Batgirl uh, movie or series or whatever, um, because how many people were desperate to see that film? Not because they were such Batgirl stands, but because we were going to get Michael Keaton back again in the Batgirl movie. Yeah. So, so the Warners is like, okay, uh, we, we, we're not going to, the, the fans are going to get him there. So we got to really hammer that. The Michael and, Keaton and the Batman whole trailer movie. was Michael Keaton as Batman. Like they played the Danny Elfman music. And I, I don't know. I love those Tim Burton movies and I have defended them uh, for, since they came out. I think there was a, they they got a good beating during the Christopher Nolan era, like people people wanted to say the Tim Burton movies were the Adam West show during the Nolan era, and I I still love those movies and I love Michael Keaton as Batman, but when I saw him in the suit, it just it didn't it didn't feel right to me, and and I loved Michael Keaton as the Vulture. I love that it's like oh okay he's coming back to superhero movies and he's doing something different, and this is not a Batman versus Spider Man thing. Because I realized I've compared it unfavorably to Spider-Man movies. But you know what? You ripped off their way home and you put Michael Keaton in it. You did this to yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, the, back to like with the trailer too. I mean, it, it is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, it, you, we have this thing with the two with two flashes. We have this thing where, oh yeah, Supergirl is introduced. Uh, now, now, unless you've, if you haven't been following that controversy where there were some people up in arms that, oh, they're recasting Supergirl as a Latina girl. How dare they, you know? And that- Oh, super- yeah, but, and I didn't even recognize her as Supergirl. I was like, okay, is this a, she seemed like a superwoman. No, but she heard, she says, what's your name? Oh, my name's Kara. Okay, okay, so it's Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and See, then, I, and- I think I'm that lapsed a DC fan when she said she was Kara, I actually thought she was Power Girl. Ah, there you go. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, don't they both have the same name? I am such a Laps yeah. DC fan. I'm becoming, I'm becoming a terrible nerd. Yeah. So, so they have that, and then I'll, I'll admit too. I mean, yeah, Michael Keaton didn't look, quite look right in that suit. I'm telling you, you saw. I think you saw yeah. one scene with him in the suit. The rest was all CGI. It was all, you know, yeah. All that other stuff wasn't really him. It was the, uh, you know, the digital Batman doing his bit. And uh, by the way, if those are, if those are the special effects you're going to have in the final movie, you're in trouble. Because it looked like a video game. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the way that Batman vs Superman looked like the Arkham City game. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was just like, but people are going crazy. Like, oh, look at the Batman suit. And honestly, like, Michael Keaton has aged, and I think Michael Keaton has aged very well. But I think he's aged out of Batman. Like when I when I saw him in the suit, I'm like, okay, there's all the lines in, around his mouth that he has now, and I'm like. It looks like it looked like Michael Keaton wearing a Batman suit. It didn't look like Batman to me anymore. And the way that those two movies still do, and the way that you know, going back to Indiana Jones, like Harrison Ford still looks like Indiana Jones in the hat and the jacket. You know, um, you know, they aged him appropriately, and I felt like the suit was trying to hide the fact that Michael Keaton was older. I mean, because there were rumors, I mean, there were rumors about the Batgirl movie, but there were so many rumors for years and years and years that they were going to do Batman Beyond and Michael Keaton was going to be old Bruce Wayne. And I feel like they were trying to do that and they were trying. It's, it's what you said about Harrison Ford before you're like, he's not 80 trying to look 60. And And when I saw Michael Keaton, that suit, it looked like he was 60 trying to look 40. I mean, for all we know, he is Batman at that age. You know, maybe that's that's the way they're going to play it. You know, for all we know, because mind you, Ben Affleck is also in this. And yeah, and Ben scenes, Affleck is looking older. I mean, right? Ben and Affleck is. Like, of the, I would say there are scenes of the Ben Affleck Batman in this in the movie too. Well, I only saw the Ben Affleck Bruce Wayne. No, but did yeah, they the, show him in the bat suit? Yeah. Well, no, oh, he's, uh, well, no, but on the motorcycle, he's on the. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, oh, that's the ben from Affleck. behind. I was I was actually unsure what Batman that was. Yeah. So, so you can tell that they're doing multiple Batmans, you know, the Supermans, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but to the point, again, as you said, DC's really, it's like, yes, let's, uh, let's uh, really hammer the fact that we did bring back Michael Keaton for this film. We didn't cut him as many people wanted to say James Gunn did because there are even, there's still rumors out there. People say, oh. Well, Henry Henry Cavill and 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 so and so were both supposed to be in this movie, but they've been cut out because James Gunn said cut them out. I don't which think makes absolutely no sense to me. No, from what I've seen, James Gunn does not want to touch this movie, not because it's toxic, but this is internally that's not the way they pitched the the trailer, but this is internally uh, known as the end of the Snyderverse, and then. Apparent, like the rumors I'm hearing is it's going to do a flashpoint thing where it's going to break the continuity and then we get the James Gunn you know, reset, like the reset yeah. button or whatever. So, this is going to be the ending. So, why would James Gunn go, you know, why would James Gunn care who's in it? If the whole thing, if the whole thing's going to end it, you know, let everybody he doesn't want to use be in it. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to try to shove John Cena in this to bridge what he's going to do. He's going to want to make a clean break. The question I always I have about James Gunn starting the DC universe is: Is he going to count his old stuff? Like, is Suicide Squad and Peacemaker going to be part of this? I mean, he's doing a second season of Peacemaker. Then, where does his universe begin? Now he's he. I think he said that he goes that with with him coming in, it's not so much a full reset of everything. He called it a quote unquote soft reset. Hmm. So yeah, you know. So you know yeah. it's, He's, he's going to do the same thing that Jeff Johns did with Green Lantern, you know, when when the, the new 52 hit DC. That's oh, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. The new 52 is everything's a reboot except the one thing that was working. It was, yeah, the Batman books and the Green Lantern books. Yeah. Well, Those the Batman, are the only things the Batman that are going to change. did do a bit of a, a reboot, but that was because um, they had bumped up uh, Scott Snyder from Detective to Batman. Yeah. But that the, the first Batman issue he did with Greg Capullo was a beginning. But yeah, yeah, every, every, but they didn't they didn't fuck with Batman because Batman was doing very very well at that time. Yeah. I mean so, Batman's like, always carried the DC universe. 
Right. So, I mean, if comic book nerds are going to complain, oh, you know, you can't do that. You can't do reboots like that. Folks, they do that all the time in comics. That's what, and especially DC. Yeah. That, that was the thing when I was defending the confusing universe of DC. I'm like, well, that's what DC does. They let a, a creative team come over and do whatever they want to do and then leave. And then, and then they usually don't care about picking up the pieces. I mean, look at Hawkman. Oh, and um, oh, speaking of Hawkman, Hawkman was in the Har the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special, huh. which uh, is the filthiest Valentine's Day special I have ever seen. <laughs> I have not seen it. I will. I think Harley Quinn's a fun show. I don't take it too seriously, but uh, I will tell you a just it's not even the main plot. The subplot of it is that uh, Bane has a big date. Which already, okay, I'm there for. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Harley Quinn, Bane is doing the Tom Hardy voice all the time. <laughs> so he, he needs a potion to make his, his dick bigger. So he, go, he goes to Etrick in the Demon's shop. And he's literally, and he goes, well, actually, it's pretty average, but my body is so huge. <laughs> <laughs> and so Etrigan gives him this potion and he, he starts, he starts to take the potion, and then he looks and says, do not combine with HGH, which is like the venom going into him. And he's like, oh, no. And he grows 50 feet tall and starts fucking all the buildings in Gotham City. Wow. Wow. That is my endorsement. Because, <laughs> man, I was so happy. I, 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 Ben and I were watching the first couple of seasons, and I was like, hey, there's a Valentine's Day special. And he went... Eh, I don't really care about the show. And then he went and went to his room when Bane started fucking buildings and his cum was demolishing the buildings. Oh I was like, God. I am so glad my son did not want to watch this with me. <laughs> that would have been a questionable parenting moment. That's for sure. Yeah, I would have, we would have tried to break eye contact at that moment. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think Harley Quinn is a great show, but it's consistently entertaining. It's the one thing they saved from the DC app. Uh, yeah. Doom, they just ended Doom Patrol. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, though, because HBO is dropping everything. HBO is, yeah, HBO is dropping stuff they already had. Yeah, Mark Maron's always... new, Mark Maron's new special went up this weekend, which I thought was great. And yeah. I was listening to his podcast today, and he was like, "Yeah, it's up on HBO Max until uh, I don't know the cloud gets full, <laughs> whatever they do." <laughs> it's like even he's like, "I don't know how long it's going to be on this thing." Yeah, because I think they've already decided that they're not going to combine HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Well, nobody thought that was a good idea. Like, yeah, what is well, Discovery were... Plus at? I, I've had HBO Max for the last three years, and originally it was a great deal because it was the Warner Brothers app without being the Warner Brothers app. Right, so anything right. HBO had and anything that Warner Brothers ever made. Mm -hmm. And then just shit started disappearing. Like a hundred Looney Tunes just went away. Mm -hmm. Justice League Unlimited just went away. Went away. Yep. And it's like, they, you know, discovery is all about cutting costs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not about, you know, I, I go into this rant all the time, but I always say the fall of capitalism was when it stopped being about making money and it just started being about saving money. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not enough to make a product everybody wants to buy. You got to make it as cheap as humanly possible to the point where nobody wants to buy it. Nope. Speaking of things nobody wants to buy, did I really need another Transformers movie? Uh, there was I forgot there was one. I didn't need the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that the, I was like. And by the first one, I mean the 1985 one where they killed Optimus Prime. Hey, you you shut your filthy I mouth. was I was 13. I was totally into Transformers. I literally never bought a Transformer again. Ha! That that was a that was a great I, I that was the one uh, soundtrack that got me into hair metal. <laughs> Cuz that's all it was. Yeah, it was. Uh but yeah, uh there's a new uh, uh a new Transformers movie coming out that I did not know about. And uh, with an, yet another guy in the movie, you know, someone new uh, behind another the Shia wheel LaBeouf. of Bumblebee. You know, and and uh, I'm like, what? What? Really? Okay. All right. I didn't even look at it. I was like, yeah. I heard people like Bumblebee, and I was like, I can't get myself to watch it. Hmm. 
Well, because they said that was closer to the spirit of the the cartoons and 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 whatever. Well, you know, in the eighties, I was more of a GI Joe kid than um, a Transformers kid, and it was mostly because of the Larry Hama comic, which was one of the best things Marvel was putting out at that point. Uh, and I couldn't get through the Snake Eyes movie. Oh, you mean the I'm recent like, one? Yeah. Oh that was yeah. Sad. That was bad. He t- he's talking the whole time. Yep. That's Just like, talking, hey. talking, talking, talking. They completely missed the point of that character. They 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 missed all the stuff that made him cool. Yeah. It's like it's like what was the the, the two biggest mistakes that they'll ever make in film? One, a Snake Eyes movies, a Snake Eyes movie where all he does is talk, and a Deadpool movie where he doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah. The the most painful thing about that is that uh, the only reason Ryan Reynolds is, is in Wolverine Origins was he was already working on Deadpool, and they said, hey, we got great news. You're going to be in the Wolverine movie first. And he read that script and went, I'm not doing this. And then they went, then you're not Deadpool. We'll recast you. And then Wolverine Origins tanked, and they didn't want to make Deadpool. Deadpool. Well, he had the last laugh, you know, yeah. in, De- in Deadpool 2. With, and now know, he's got Wolverine in Deadpool 3. Yeah. Um, and then what else? Uh, the Hey, uh, that Dungeons and Dragons movie looks kind of cute. Uh, I, I've just been hearing about this and hearing about it and hearing about it. Um, all I know about Dungeons and Dragons is people are really mad at Hasbro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're mad yeah. about Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, I'm like, what? What happened? Because I, when I, I'm old. Um, hey, let's put it this way. I spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast complaining about moving long boxes. I'm an old, old nerd. <laughs> and then we spent the next 20 minutes talking about how cool an 80-year-old Harrison Ford is. <laughs> but it's true. But Dungeons and Dragons, to me, was a game where you didn't need to buy anything. <laughs> didn't you just get the 20-sided dice, and then some kid just started doing improv in front of you? Yeah, you had your little sheets with your character, you know, your character bio on it, so you knew what your premise was. Yeah, and all you're, right. You could do it all that in a notebook, and I don't yeah. know about you, but most of the dungeon masters had no plan. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, no. you're you're in a cavern. Um, uh, roll the dice. Okay, open the door. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you'd have a, uh, 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 well, that you've had the little dungeon master screen, you know, your little cardboard. Screen so that the yeah, you but know, it the, was, there was like a voting booth. <laughs> <laughs> so I used, well, to have a, I used to have a joke in my stand-up uh, about I I bought the Indiana Jones role-playing game. Oh, I have that. Yeah, I have that. And I and uh, the bit in my stand-up was if you ever wanted to really see nerds fight, give them a role-playing game based on one character. <laughs> It was just an argument for 20 minutes that ended with a dungeon master going, that's it. You're a short round. You're a Nazi. You're a snake. Let's have an adventure. <laughs> well, the one I enjoyed, we're going, there's no track to this episode. <laughs> the one I really enjoyed was the Marvel superheroes because TSR made that. And uh, it was yeah. like, you just, you just, we didn't. We never created characters. We just picked people. I w- I was like, I want to be Nightcrawler, so I was. Well, okay. So uh, thank you for giving me that little segue because you're saying no one wants to talk about. Speaking of Marvel, no one wants to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, right? And we mentioned that but, I thought I thought it looked fantastic. I was like, I was. I'm telling you, I got emotional watching it, and oh, I don't know who it is that they have at Marvel who is take like whoever took. Elton John's yellow, you know, goodbye yellow brick road and turns it into this incredible score for the quantum mania trailer. And then takes since you've been gone and, and, and turns it into this, again, this, this epic theme for the guardian. Did Ant-Man just used in the meantime, or was, was that the guardians teaser trailer? No, Ant-Man had a, uh, the yellow brick road. Oh, okay. In the meantime, I think Guardians used that. Marvel just did that. But they do like the really slow, sad version of yeah. that song. And I'm like going, how the hell? And then they put the the great, you know, the instrumentals and all that. You know, like and and the imagery over this, that. And I'm like, oh, who the hell? I mean, talk about, okay, so you have your Flash 
trailer that you know leans heavily on on Michael Keaton being in there and playing the Danny Elfman theme, and that's where you get your jazz. That's where you get your buzz. But it tells you nothing. Whereas I'm looking at the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. It's giving me a classic rock tune. It's giving me a a, a little raccoon and an otter hugging each other. It's got you know a a, a Star Lord and and Nebula you know flirting. And I'm like, th- that. There's a difference right there between yeah. Marvel movies and DC movies. They know yeah. they even know how to package your trailers to get the story across and still get you jazzed. Well, this is being and I, everything about the trailer said this is the end, which yeah. is I don't know. Obviously, it's it's James Gunn's last. He's uh, he said he envisioned it as a trilogy. At one point, they fired him. They weren't going to make it. And then, uh, then he made the Christmas special, and he made. But now he's running DC. This is it for him for Marvel. Uh, Dave Bautista has been saying he's done. He says he's done with it. Yep. So, who knows what they're going to do with the characters? Obviously, Marvel is not afraid to kill off major characters. You know, which is why we don't have an Iron Man or or uh, Steve Rogers Captain America anymore. So this felt very final. I will say my my favorite part was that. Um, the Chris Pratt Nebula flirtation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I felt like that they finally let Karen Gillan be Karen Gillan. Yes, yes. Because yes. I was like, when she when she like yelled at him, I was like, oh, that's Amy Pond. Uh-huh. I was like, that's the Karen Gillan I loved ten years ago. And by the way, if you want to feel older, Matt Smith was Doctor Who like thirteen years ago. Yeah, you man. want to talk about David Tennant coming back? Mm-hmm. Like that Matt Smith era is old, but that uh, yeah, that uh, but that was an incredible trailer again, and nobody's Mar- talking about it. I, I get, I don't get. Well, also too, it doesn't help that Quantum Mania is coming out in a week. So yeah, and that looks fantastic too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm on that train just yet. I mean, I will go see it. I but, uh, I am mostly for Paul Rudd, and uh, I found Kang very intriguing in Loki. And Kang is not a character I ever cared about in the comics because I never, I just never understood what he did. Like uh, I and you know I've said it many many times. I'm not the biggest Avengers fan. I was more Spider Man, Fantastic Four, X Men. That's where I come into Marvel. Avengers is like the thing I accept is there. So I don't I don't know a lot like. Marvel Legends just announced an egghead figure. Steven's very excited. And I'm like, I'm like, he's not Vincent Price. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, so I don't like Kang. I remember just got killed in the second issue of Secret Wars and nobody talked about him again. And then I'm like, well, who is he? Well, he travels through time. I'm like, and <laughs> like, that's what the doctor does. But the doctor wow. also does things after he travels in time. So I don't care about Kang as a character, but I found the portrayal like really interesting. Well, they've they've uh, I'm trying to remember which interview I was reading where they they said the the fact that Endgame already played with time travel, they couldn't make Tank Kang just a time traveler. So it's not just that he's, you know, he can be anywhere at any time, but he's a a a multiversal type character. Right. And that's where they've been going all through phase four. Yeah. And as much as people like to say, um, you always drag me into like you comic book nerds criticizing things are all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have that conversation. As much as people want to say that uh phase four was aimless, it was I I completely disagree because it was all about introducing new characters mm-hmm. and building up the multiverse. And we had two major movies that only did that and then we had an entire series that only did that so Mm -hmm. we've been building up to the guy who manipulates the multiverse Mm -hmm. so that uh yeah but um i think guardians is going to be its own thing though so yeah i I think it will i i think it's all about james gunn writing a finale and then uh fast 10 the the, another fast (laughs) and furious movie I, I'm telling you, I finally sat down and watched Fast and the Furious. I was like, you know what? There's nine of these things. I've never seen these. That's a big pop culture miss. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, let me watch. I, 
I was, I couldn't get, I barely got through. It's like Transformers. I barely got through the first one. Mm-hmm. And Transformers is based on something I used to like. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you cannot get my attention with Fast and the Furious. Well, you look at well, the, the verse, first Fast and the Furious movie bears very little resemblance to <laughs> what the later ones because they're like the James Bond films. They just keep getting bigger and more out there and more ridiculous with the, the stunts and the scope. And after a while, like we were talking about this uh, with, um, the, again, the talk about Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford at his age doing these crazy things. Well, then look at any action hero as the sequels progress. They just get more and more ridiculous. Well, yeah, because you have to top yourself and yeah. to your point. I mean, you look at uh, you look at like Nightmare on Elm Street. I always think of that. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy's not scary anymore when he's playing Nintendo against children. <laughs> well, that's how he got them in the first place. No, I'm playing with power. <laughs> that's a power glove. He didn't have that. He did. He had the power glove and Freddy's dead. Oh, really? I I never saw There's a whole scene where his glove turns into the Nintendo power glove. Oh, my goodness. And he goes into a video game and beats a kid to death. And it's an 8-bit video game. (laughs) (laughs) That movie is horrible. Oh, man. Uh, But that's what happens is every sequel's got to top the last one and it becomes this ludicrous, you know, you know, then you have James Bond glacier surfing yes yes nice castle that is actually and, and that, I, I feel like indiana jones has restraint because i i feel like it always it always has one scene that's completely unbelievable and it's like it's you either go with it or you don't yeah. you know like indy shouldn't make it out of that Indy shouldn't have been able to outrun that boulder <laughs> much no. less anything that happened in the last five movies after that Really, that jacket should not have survived all that much. Oh, so. mine did. Yeah, but it, I don't know. yeah, I we had this argument before. There is nothing that doesn't. There is nothing in the mythology of Indiana Jones that says he doesn't buy new jackets and hats. Uh, post post that on any indie fan board and, get, and listen. To, watch what you get back. But they also always change. Is that I know, changes. but I'm just saying that's there. It's that weird contradiction. <sighs> you know, they're gonna say. I mean, I, I still can't get over. Even if you're gonna say it's the same jacket, how the hell did he get it back after he left it behind on the Bantu wind? Oh yeah, those pirates were so nice and mailed it to him. <laughs> it's it's a it's a normal jacket. You can go into a shop and buy, right. it, and he could be like. I can only do the old Harrison Ford. But you'd be like, I like the old, I like the jacket with the straps on the back. Any no. one of those <laughs> well, but see, the one and he immediately in drags it behind a truck, and it looks old. It looks old, but again, but the the the, the one in Dial of Destiny has a repaired bullet hole in the jacket in the That's sleeve. Cool. But we don't know when it got shot. Yeah, true. You know, it could have happened in uh, 1962. So. We would think because you know, as again, as we're getting old, man, I'm still dressing like it's a '90s. You you find your you find your <laughs> outfit and you run it. You just keep running it. Just keep with it. Yep. You you should be grateful. I'm not wearing my jeans backwards. <laughs> well, wow. How did, did the what were those the, the giant jeans that were uh, yeah. With Junkos, J J N C O, whatever yeah. they were called, like they, they were, were huge around your legs. It, those that's when like I realized I was to... I was never fashionable because I could never remember when we went from big jeans to tight jeans to big. Like what kind of? And here here's the big problem. Uh, Joe and I talk about this all the time because we're uh, we were we were called aging hipsters in Springfield, and I owned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't like the both of us were like. Do we wear tight jeans now? Do we wear loose jeans? What are the jeans situation? <laughs> and then my son's like, we're all wearing sweatpants. <laughs> it's like... Now it's sweatpants that look like jeans or jeans that look like sweatpants or something like that. Yeah, yeah they have those yoga pants with like the jeans stitching on them. Yeah. Look, I'm wearing black t-shirts with fantasy characters on them and jeans. I, I bought a pair of Doc Martens in 2023. <laughs> I know my brand. <laughs> It'll come yeah, back. But I got a it'll West End Indiana Jones jacket. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come back. 
you know, those, the styles come back. And uh, yeah, and uh, uh, since we're talking about the Super Bowl trailers, yeah, that that thirty second spot for Dial of Destiny was fun. You know what? I don't want to see any more. I don't. I don't, I don't yeah. want to know. I want to be completely overwhelmed when I go into the theater on June thirtieth. I'm looking, and you know, I'm looking forward to that more than anything. I think Ant Man's going to be great. I think uh, Gardens of the Galaxy is going to be great. Um, but you know, n- nothing is. It, it, this is kind of like two thousand eight. Uh, cause you know, I thought Iron Man was great. I thought Dark Knight was great, but all I cared about was King of the Crystal Skull. And I agree. It's not as the best Indiana Jones, nor was it as good as Dark Knight or Iron Man, but going into that summer, that's all I care about. I also cared about X-Files. I want to believe. <laughs> and were you rewarded for that belief? No, <laughs> I ended up not even going. I bought the Blu-ray and I felt betrayed. <laughs> I enjoyed the reboot seasons more than I want to believe. Ooh, ouch. I I still say about the reboot seasons, they did six episodes a season. Two were great. Two were mediocre. Two were fucking garbage. And if you want to focus on the garbage ones, that says something about your outlook on life. (laughs) But you know what? This has been a whole show of bouncing around and talking about new things that are coming out, new things we're interested in. So, um, not really a greatest thing in the world. Like I think I started with greatest thing in the world. I love those comic boxes. If you want comic boxes that aren't going to rip as you're climbing up, as you're climbing stairs, look up BCW. They do make the cardboard ones, but uh, you know, like if if you have good comics, uh, it's worth the investment. They also make a slightly taller one if you're slabbing your books. Ah, uh, slabbing. That's yeah, I'm not getting into that. But if you yeah. do, they got you covered. Oh, uh, well, goody, Elliot. Oh, goody. Where, where where can we find you? Well, as always, you can find me on the socials at Elliot Serrano at two L's, two T's, and two R's, of course. Uh, you can listen to me as we uh, participate in the MCU Review, part of the Caffeinated Comics uh, uh, series, as well as the Top Men and Indiana Jones podcast um, series that is part of Caffeinated Comics. Folks, if you get a chance, could you go by our Facebook page uh, at uh, facebook.com slash MCU review. Give us a like and uh, follow. Same for our Indiana Jones podcast page. And check out the MCU review YouTube page. We'd like to uh, increase our metrics so, you know, so we can get a little more reach with not only the MCU review, but the top men uh, podcast because we're going to be talking about uh, Temple of Doom next, and we have some great guests, a great guest lined up for that. And it's my hope that as each uh, episode progresses, we can get more and uh, more bigger guests. Uh, but to do that, we do need, uh, you know, bigger metrics. We need a bigger audience. So help us out. Yeah, and Temple of Doom is Quentin Tarantino's favorite Indiana Jones movie. I just well, read the monkey brains. He loves I just it. read that. He said it he said it's Spielberg's second greatest movie next to Jaws. And, and well, we're gonna talk about that because uh, uh, as much as people grouse about uh Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you have just as many people who will grouse about Temple of Doom. They they say, Oh, that's that would you know Spielberg has disavowed that film now because he said he was going through a very dark time through all that. I go. Oh yeah, he's going through a dark time. He's going through a divorce at the same time he met Kate Capshaw. So yeah, well, that yeah, well, yeah, Luke, well, Lucas was going through the divorce from Marsha oh. Lucas, and uh, Amy Irving was screwing over Steven Spielberg. Right. So yeah. So <laughs> but some then bad made, stuff was yeah, going so, on and he rebounded lines. on the set. And with Kate Capshaw, not too shabby, my friend. And you know what? Like, we'll get into it on the podcast. You can say what you want about Willie Scott and her character, but. And she and Spielberg have been together since then. She seems like a very decent person. Yeah, and I, I, and there are to me there are there are things about the character that I've actually grown to like over the years. So um, yeah, well, if we, you we'll talk if, about it. Yes, if you want to hear hours of that, that's coming very soon. <laughs> you can also follow me at not on my book on uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's the best way to follow me. Um, that's probably the only way you can follow me because I've moved so many cardboard boxes this weekend. I no longer have fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a way you can identify me. You can also go to facebook.com slash caffeinated comics where you, all the news that's fit to geek. Um, 
Uh, you can see uh, the Breaking Bad Popcorners commercials, which we didn't mention, but were a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, again, if you are not subscribed to this show, which also brings to you the MCU Review and Top Man as an audio podcast, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Um, as Elliot likes to say, he likes to ask Alexa. And uh, apparently the house I'm moving into is going to have five Alexas. <laughs> Because I have a couple and my girlfriend has a couple. So when I say Alexa, it's going to be a fucking cacophony. <laughs> uh, the one in my kitchen acts like a teenager. She she actually, she can't hear me when I'm talking to her. Is she, does, is she looking at her phone? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I, I can't, I can't do that right now. She has literally said, I can't do that right now. <laughs> we had to change the uh, the one in the bedroom because it was close to the one in the bathroom, and they would both start talking. So we changed the one the one in the bathroom was Alexa, but the one in the bedroom was computer, which you can change it to, which means you can talk like Picard all you want to, because there is not once have I not said it computer. <laughs> Just every I'm like Alexa, what's the weather? Computer, what time is it? <laughs> So, uh, but if you say computer, play caffeinated comics, you'll hear it. And Alexa is talking in the background and ruining all the sound. I'm also moving into a house that has fucking doors. <laughs> <laughs> so I can once again, control the sound, uh, which will start next week. Looking forward to that. But either way, we will talk to you next week. Um, I'm sh- and we will have an MCU review about Ant-Man and the Wasp with Mike Kaplan Super Ant-Man fan, and Quantum Mania will be out. So um, we will definitely cover Quantum Mania very soon in the next week. And we will talk to you then. <laughs>